God wants us to love him with all of our hearts. And we've been talking about how idolatry is not just something that existed in the Old Testament, but there are many things in our day that could be idols. And so we've been working our way through some of those things, like money and relationships, success, pleasure. And today we're going to look at the gods of power. And so uh, some of you might think, I'm good on this one. I mean, I have no power. And I have no desire for any kind of power whatsoever. But I think we should realize that, you know, whether we have a position or not, we all do have power and influence. Uh, whether we have the title of king or pastor doesn't matter. And how we handle our power and our influence reveals who our God is. And so today, through the story of King Nebuchadnezzar, we're going to see characteristics of people who misuse their power or influence and in contrast, look at God's design and plan for us. In Daniel 4, we're going to read about how Nebuchadnezzar describes his dream and then we'll get Daniel's interpretation of the dream and finally see how that dream is fulfilled. And so right now, I'm going to ask you if you would pause and read Daniel 4 in your Bible. Here's Daniel 4, created by the Gospel Project for kids of all ages. Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, shared a message to tell everyone who would listen about the wonderful things God had done for him. One night, Nebuchadnezzar had a frightening dream. He called for all the wise men in Babylon to explain what the dream meant, but they did not understand the dream. Finally, Nebuchadnezzar told Daniel about the dream. I saw a big, strong tree. Its top was in the sky, and everyone could see it. The tree had beautiful leaves and fruit, and animals lived in and around the tree. An angel came down from heaven and said, Cut down the tree. Take off its leaves and fruit. Let the animals hurry away. The angel said only the stump and roots would be left in the ground. Then the angel said, the tree's mind would change from a human's mind into an animal's mind. He said this would happen so the people would know God is ruler over human kingdoms. The dream frightened Daniel too, and he told King Nebuchadnezzar what it meant. The tree is you, Daniel explained. You are great and strong, and your greatness reaches the sky. Then Daniel said, like the tree was cut down, you will be driven away from people. Instead, you will live with wild animals and eat grass. Like the stump was left in the ground, your kingdom will not be completely destroyed. It will be restored when you acknowledge that God rules over everything. A year later, the king's dream came true. He walked on the roof of his palace and said, Babylon is great. I built this kingdom with my power and for my glory. Suddenly, the king heard a voice from heaven. King Nebuchadnezzar, you will be driven away from people. You will live with wild animals and eat grass until you acknowledge that God rules over everything. Nebuchadnezzar was driven away from people. He ate grass like cattle. 
His hair grew like eagle's feathers, and his nails grew like birds' claws. After some time, Nebuchadnezzar looked up to heaven and praised God. He acknowledged that God rules everything. His kingdom was restored to him, and Nebuchadnezzar gave glory to God. Pride steals God's glory. God humbled King Nebuchadnezzar so he could see that God alone deserves glory. Jesus is the King of Kings who humbled himself by coming to earth and dying on the cross. Jesus saves sinners so we can live for God's glory. Well, you may not be a king or hold a title like King Nebuchadnezzar, but you do have some control and you do have choices over how you live your life and, and how you influence others and the choices that will affect them. And Nebuchadnezzar is given a lot of influence. He controls the entire Babylonian empire and he misuses his power and influence, uh, which allows you and I to see how we can misuse our power or influence. So what are characteristics of misusing power or influence? What are characteristics of misusing power or influence? Well, at the root of it and at the root of many of our sins is pride. King Nebuchadnezzar was a very prideful man and prideful people can become closed-minded. They have their own ideas. They often feel threatened by other people who might oppose them or have opposing ideas. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are examples of this in chapter 3. And while King Nebuchadnezzar does routinely seek advice, he didn't always like the advice that was given him. He was a very prideful man. And this is nothing new. Uh, The sin of pride was in the Garden of Eden. Eve wanted to be like God, and so she ate of the fruit, and so did Adam. And even before that, Satan, as a fallen angel, rebelled against God, desiring to rule over God, to have power and control. And the Bible teaches you and I that in Proverbs sixteen eighteen, pride goes before destruction, a haughty spirit before a fall. And today I could tell you stories about how my own pride caused damage, mostly to me, but maybe even to others. I could tell you stories of that, um, but I don't want to. Uh, we, we don't have a lot of time this morning, and maybe it's because I'm prideful. But let's stick with the text. I think that's a safer place for all of us. Uh, we know it was true of the king. His pride would soon become his downfall. God spoke to him in a dream, and then Daniel interpreted it. And Nebuchadnezzar was likened to a large tree that would one day be cut down. Only the stump remained. Daniel warned the king that what happened to the tree would one day happen to him. Pride comes before a fall. And Nebuchadnezzar is a little slow to get it. He's so caught up in himself that he doesn't take action. He allows pride to get in the way. And so pride is a major stumbling block in our spiritual lives. It can keep us from doing what God wants us to do, and it can prevent us from learning what he wants us to learn and from listening to him and to others. And so if you're going to give your heart fully to God, which is what we're after, 
we often have to swallow our pride. We often have to bow before the Lord as our king. Our pride has to go. Because if it doesn't go, it will lead you to destruction, just as it did to Nebuchadnezzar. Again, God has given you influence in your life and in the lives of others. And some of you even have the gift of leadership. But will you use that gift to serve others or yourself? Nebuchadnezzar uses his power to serve himself and to honor himself. He misuses his influence. And when we misuse our influence, pride is usually present. Another characteristic that Nebuchadnezzar illustrates of misusing our power is procrastination. Procrastination. The king put off taking action until it was too late. Uh, And when Daniel, Daniel interpreted the dream, he advised the king to renounce his sins by doing what was right and to take care of the poor. But sadly, the advice that was most appropriate for King Nebuchadnezzar was forgotten. We see that one year later, the king is walking around on the roof of his royal palace, boasting about his greatness. He says in verse 30, Is not this the great Babylon I have built as the royal residence by my mighty power and for the glory of my majesty? The pronouns I and my appear three times in that one statement. King Nebuchadnezzar is so full of himself that he puts off his spiritual priorities. And so today, what about you? Are you a procrastinator? I think we all procrastinate things which are of very degrees of importance. You know, we may procrastinate paying our bills or making apologies. And sometimes we feel the pain and the pressure of those procrastinations. Um, But There's one thing that I hope we never want to procrastinate, or we never do. We never want to procrastinate spiritual priorities because the price is too high and the pain too great. King Nebuchadnezzar procrastinated making important life changes for a whole year. He put off until tomorrow things that he should have been doing today, and as a result, he's driven into the wilderness to live like a wild animal. The final characteristic of someone who misuses their influence and also fits the words beginning with the letter P is the preoccupation with position. I guess when you're the king of the most powerful nation in the world, it's hard to humble yourself. And in Babylon, there were a number of impressive building projects underway. Royal palaces were being built. Hanging gardens were established. The king used his position to advance his own political cause, and he was obsessed with the idea of being a monarch. Nebuchadnezzar was more than aware of his position, and he built a vast empire by exploiting and taking advantage of the poor. And so Daniel confronted the king's preoccupation with himself. In verse 27, he advises the king to be merciful to the poor, and sadly, Nebuchadnezzar made no such effort. His vast empire was built on the backs of poor people. Well, the king was not the first, and he won't be the last to use position to advance a selfish cause. And sadly, this pattern has repeated itself numerous times in the history of the world. And haven't you and I, haven't all of us suffered at the mercy of someone who uses their position or their title to lord it over us? 
Maybe for you, it, it was an unpleasant parent, or maybe it's an unsympathetic boss, or maybe a teacher or a professor who gave unrealistic assignments to us. But just a word here today for those of us who do have positions or carry titles. Don't use that power to advance your own agenda. Use the position and the power that you have to glorify God and to serve other people. Don't be position conscious. Be people-centered. The position is no excuse to take advantage of those who are less fortunate. King Nebuchadnezzar was unable to learn what God wanted him to learn because he was obsessed with the idea of being king. He was preoccupied by status. Nebuchadnezzar loved his position. He was prideful, a terrible procrastinator. But truth be told, there's a little bit of Nebuchadnezzar in all of us. As much as we don't like to admit it, there have been times when we have all suffered from one or maybe all three of these issues. But the good news is this. You don't have to live like the king. You can live and learn God's way. The gods of power need not have power over you and I. Chuck Colson was a man who understood power. Many years ago, he worked with President Nixon, and he was willing to do whatever it took to keep his power, until one day he was arrested for illegal activities in the Watergate scandal and sent to prison. Years later, shortly before his death, Chuck reflected on how God used these circumstances to change his life. I can remember the day I arrived in prison, I was thinking to myself, uh, this is tough. I'm going to be separated from my family. I've lost my freedom, lost my right to vote. But I thought this is a really tough deal. And I I wasn't really frightened of the other inmates. But I knew it was going to be a lonely, depressing experience. But I felt free inside because at least I'd put the past behind me. I'd also come to terms with who I really was. And that God of power that had grown me all those years was now dethroned. And I really wanted to live. I wanted to live my life only for the living God, the one true God. So how do we avoid these gods of power in our lives? How do we avoid the habits of someone who serves the gods of power with pride, procrastination, and position? What is God's design for you? If you're taking notes, that's the question. What is God's design for you? As his child, a person who wants to put him on the throne of our hearts alone. Well, first of all, humble yourself. Humble yourself. This is what King Nebuchadnezzar didn't do. It was done for him. In verse 31, the Bible says, A voice came from heaven saying, King Nebuchadnezzar, your authority has been taken from you. God humbled the king into submission by driving him into the wilderness to live like a wild animal. And you know, God shouldn't have to do this. The Bible teaches us to humble ourselves. James 4.10, for example, says, Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will lift you up. So, you can humble yourself now, on your own, or you can wait for the Lord to do it. I would recommend the first choice, because it will be much less painful. And humility is an attitude, it's a lifestyle. And and when you humble yourself before God, you're saying, God, you are right and I am wrong. 
That's humility. And if you humble yourself before God, there's no limit to what he can reveal to you. Uh, Scripture says he refuses the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Now, in my house growing up with my sisters and my parents, we loved each other and we still do. Um, And so if my family's listening today, I love you. I'm not dishonoring you, but let's be authentic. Uh, We had trouble in my family growing up with a couple of phrases. And I'm sharing this because I don't think our family's alone in this. I think your family may struggle with these two phrases as well. The first one is, I was wrong. I was wrong. Why is that so hard to say to each other? I was wrong. We're wrong all the time. The second phrase is related to that, and that is, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Why can we not say that phrase in our homes and in our church? I'm sorry. I didn't mean to hurt you. I messed up. I got it wrong. I didn't mean to hurt you. I'm sorry. It's tough stuff. But humble yourself, please, for the sake of the people around you, for your own sake. Humble yourself before God, and he will teach you things that you never thought you could learn. And this is God's design. Humble yourself. Secondly, seek good advice. I think Nebuchadnezzar had it all wrong. He went to the wrong places for advice. When a terrifying dream came, he turned to the wrong people for advice. He called in all these self-appointed gurus of his day to interpret, and they struck out. So Nebuchadnezzar finally calls for Daniel in verse 18. And Daniel gives the king wise and godly advice. And so for you and I, where do you get your advice? Because where you get your advice says a lot about what's important to you. So who's first on your list of advice givers? Internet blogs, chat rooms, people who will always agree with your perspective. King Nebuchadnezzar sought advice from the wrong people. His first choice was always wrong. He turned to the gurus. And so I want to challenge you today, seek good advice. And always remember not to take advice from ungodly uh, people who don't know the Lord or his principles. Don't do that because they will lead you in ways away from God's wisdom. And you'll become like them. And so... Um, Rather, seek good advice, and then you'll be glad. Um, And the king eventually received good advice here, but only after he had exhausted all other options. So, this is how you and I fight against the gods of power. This is how you use your influence and you follow God's design. You humble yourself, you seek good advice, and thirdly, have a teachable spirit. Have a teachable spirit. God gave Daniel profound insight into deep spiritual things because he was teachable. And so for you today, are you teachable? Really? Don't you love it when God gives us these aha moments? I believe God wants to reveal things to you and I that we never thought we could learn. But it starts with us being teachable. 
And God's people can gain great wisdom. We can be the wise, not the ignorant ones. And I believe if you examine the history of the world, the history of the church, or even the history of the U.S., um, you see truly wise people emerging from the church and impacting the world. Some of the greatest leaders, greatest ideas, greatest institutions have come from the church. Wise people who have turned the world upside down with vision and with faith. For example, many of the men who wrote the Constitution were godly men. Or at the very least, they were profoundly influenced by Christian thinkers. Many of the colleges and universities that today are the prestigious places of learning were started by men and women of God who had a vision for higher education. Many of our quality hospitals and healthcare systems were started by Christians who had a burden to show compassion on people who couldn't afford a physician. And so God's people have changed the world with ideas and vision and faith. Have a teachable spirit, and God will reveal profound spiritual things to you. Be a Daniel. Have a teachable spirit. Await the aha moments when God reveals himself. Pray for them. Prepare for them. Get ready. I think God can knock your socks off. Uh, If we want to live by God's design, we humble ourselves, we seek good advice, we have a teachable spirit, and then finally, we acknowledge that God is in control. God is in control. In the text, seven years have now passed, and finally, in verses 34 through 37, King Nebuchadnezzar lifts his eyes toward heaven in recognition that God is the king of the universe. And notice that King Nebuchadnezzar's sanity is restored when he acknowledges that God was in control. When he acknowledged that God was sovereign, that he's king, then a sense of normalcy resumes in his life. He lived seven years of his life in the wilderness like a wild beast, and finally he confesses the ultimate rule and the reign of the Lord God. God wanted the king to acknowledge that he was God and tell the whole empire what he had done for him so that his name would be glorified among the nations. Some people have alleged that Nebuchadnezzar experienced a true conversion here after his humiliating experience in the wilderness. We may never know the true extent of his experience with God, but this much is true. Nebuchadnezzar's praise in verse 37 is stirring. He says, Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and exalt and glorify the king of heaven because everything he does is right and all his ways are just. And those who walk in pride, he is able to humble. You see, acknowledging that God is in control is the beginning of so many good things in our lives. Uh, I often hear Christian leaders talk about how God speaks to them and the things that he's saying to them in their meditation and their study and their prayer. And I'm amazed by that. Um, it's a very profound and eloquent things. And, and God speaks to all of us. I believe he speaks to me. But so often he seems to be saying, Mark, get out of the way. Just get out of the way. Acknowledging that God's in control by is us saying, Lord, I'm going to move out of the way, and I'm going to let you be God. This is what King Nebuchadnezzar should have done, and he didn't do. And so God has to throw his weight around and make it happen. 
But for you today, I'm suggesting, why don't you save yourself a lot of grief and acknowledge God for who he really is? Why don't you do that today? Why don't you move over and let God be God in your life? And if you do, you'll experience a peace and a sanity that you never thought possible. In conclusion, once again, we find ourselves with a choice to make. Will we put the Lord God on the throne of our hearts or will we wrestle him for the control of our lives? Will we be prideful? Will we procrastinate doing what we know what we should do? Will we be concerned with our own status and position? I hope not. I hope not. Instead, I want to encourage you to humble yourself, to acknowledge that he is in control and to yield yourself to his plan, to have a teachable spirit and to seek good advice. Today, let's let Jesus have the last word. He says in Matthew 23, verse 12, for those who exalt themselves will be humbled and those who humble themselves will be exalted.